I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beat! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny. And welcome back to Cage Old Question, where we ask, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor alive? I'm Artoon, and this is my wife-to-be, Christina. Hello. And on this show, we watch the entire film catalog of Nicolas Cage in chronological order, working our way through over 40 years of cinema. As a disclaimer, this is a personal podcast not affiliated with any other third parties, and the opinions expressed herein are strictly our own. For today's episode, we are reviewing the 2003 film Matchstick Men. One, two, three. The screenplay was written by the Nicholas and Ted Griffin brother team and is based on the book of the same novel by Eric Garcia, directed by the one and only Ridley Scott. Today, we are joined by a very special guest. Please welcome Zach Panazzo. Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, Zach is a citizen of Burbank, California. He is a TV producer of shows such as The Dropout, you know, that Elizabeth Holmes won, and Amazon's hit kids show from six years ago, Just Add Magic. He's also an LB Club founding member and former commissioner of LB Club. But much like U.S. President Grover Cleveland, we believe he will be returning to the commissioner position soon after his hiatus. Finally, he's the father of future film fan, Fiona. Oh, Zach, welcome yeah. to the pod. Thank you. I tried to put as many words starting with F in that last one just to give you a little actor just exercise. Give me a little of this. I, I appreciated it. Um. Uh, Zach, you mentioned this is your, is this your first podcast appearance? This is the first podcast uh, appearance ever. Um, wow. Although, I mean, not like necessarily in my imagination. I often, in order to go to sleep <laughs> at night, I will often pretend like I am a guest on one of my favorite podcasts. Is it blank check? Well, no, I, I, it, I not necessarily, because I don't know. I, I, it's weird. Like I, I'm, I'm also like self-conscious there. I'm like, well, I'm not famous enough to be on that. You know, like even like, in your <laughs> wait, but it's your dreams. Even in your, you, you even can, in your fantasies, you. you're like, well, let's keep it realistic. Yeah, like they wouldn't <laughs> have me. Reasonable, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay, but it's I also that. unsettling that. that my own opinions like put me to sleep. So I don't. I hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, this we can sort of like, you know, jazz it up here. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to the bottom um, of it. I oh yeah, Steen. For for the listener, I just want you to know that uh, Zach's celebrity lookalike is Vince Vaughn. He is a dead ringer for Vince Vaughn. <laughs> it is spooky when I look at him, but uh, it's awesome. And it's awesome. No buts about it. No buts. And we both love the Cubs. That's yeah. right. There we go. Have you been to the Dresden, Zach? Yeah, in Los. Yeah, or yeah, on yeah. Uh, Vermont. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, for sure. I feel like you'd fit right in there. What is that? What is that? It's the bar Vince Vaughn goes to in Swingers. Uh, oh, that they all so, used to hang out at too. Like I feel yeah, like all yeah. those guys. I feel like even yeah, no, like that's it's where a, like John Hamm used to hang out before he was famous too. It's wow. super old school Hollywood. Like they're like play, there's someone playing the piano, someone singing. Wow. It's nice. It's a nice. Bar. Wow, that's great. I'll put it out there. We should go. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe maybe maybe, maybe, maybe. Like Manhattan or something. Maybe. Um, and Zach, Zach has a wife, a beautiful wife, Leah. I just want to shout out to Leah. I didn't. I feel like she was not in the bio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's she's coming, and we have her. We have her uh, penciled in uh, for the future, but we're not going to reveal because no, no, we, we don't reveal. The, we we'll never keep reveal. We never reveal. We never reveal. I'm going to give a 
uh, like a mostly spoiler-free plot, um, and then you decide if you're going to watch the movie. Actually, you know, you can watch it, but we'll get into that. Here's a spoiler-free plot. Roy, played by Nicolas Cage, and Frank, Sam Rockwell, are a couple of professional small-time con artists. Roy's the veteran of the grift gang, and Frank is his ambitious protege. Their main grift, they sell water filtration systems and make a few hundred to a thousand bucks. But Roy's private life is not so successful. An obsessive-compulsive agoraphobe, Roy is barely hanging on to his wits. When he loses his pills, he has no choice but to go to a psychiatrist, Dr. Klein, played by Bruce Altman. While Roy is looking for a quick fix, his therapy reveals that he has a teenage daughter, a child whose existence he suspected but never dared confirm. What's more troubling, 14-year-old Angela, played by Alison Lohman, wants to meet the father she never knew. All this happening while Frank and Roy are working on their biggest grift to date on Big Shark Chuck Frechette, played by Bruce McGill. What's going to happen? This is Matchstick Men. Um, spoilers ahead. Uh, this movie's crazy. I had, I've never, I'd never heard of this movie before, and I had very little to expect. I knew that he had some tics, but I like didn't know to what extent that was. Nicholas Cage. Um, I didn't even know it was about con artists. I didn't know that Matchstick Men meant con artists, but I guess the movie says that's what it's about. Um, we were both suspicious so of you, the daughter. If you don't, if you don't, if you want, are here for the spoilers, but not Christina. Completely. They know they've. Got, you've said a, we said a thousand times. I was just times. gonna calmly <laughs> say. <laughs> I was just gonna calmly say you won't know what you're talking about. So I'll just say that the twist of the movie is that this girl that Nicolas Cage has thought is his daughter is instead conning him with his con partner the whole time. And a bunch of and other people, too. A bunch of other people are involved. Yeah. And I just was going to say that I was very suspicious of her from the start, mm-hmm. but I was very I was very surprised when it was his partner with yeah. him on it all. I, I agree. I, that's that's where I was at too. I but was I like, was suspicious of the doctor because I was like, didn't wasn't he the one who suggested the daughter yes. originally? Like he did the intro. So. Doctor Klein. So it feels, but it feels like there's a a how how did it feel? Oh my god, you were like close to fourteen when you saw it. Were you like fellow child, or did you recognize a wolf in child's clothing? Yeah, no, I thought. I, I think no, I did not. No, not at all. I was totally. I was. I totally was like. Uh, we were all like hitting each other in the seats when this when the twist was revealed. Like we, we, we thought it was like <laughs> you you bought in. You were we like were, she's fourteen. We were that gif of people like just like falling over each other after just a you know someone got made well, fun of. Like here's, it's here's my question: How old is the character supposed to be in the movie? Well, I think well that's weird. I think like fourteen or fifteen years old. You think yeah, so? And I, yeah. I oh, think I think I think she's, I think she's like real life the the chick. Like she's like I, I twenty two playing fourteen. I think oh, it's no, 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 yeah, yeah, no. She's like twenty two. Yeah, she's the character. Yes, you're right. At the end, she's twenty two. Yes, because like when she comes in, so the end is one year later. He's working at a carpet store, um, and or rug store, carpet store. I don't know. Yeah, carpet store. Carpet which, store. Now you've stalled long enough that we. Zach, do you watch Rick and Morty? He doesn't support Justin Roiland. No, no, nor should you. Nor should you. Nor should you. Well, just, just, just. There is a 
component of Rick and Morty that is a game in an arcade that is like you play Roy and one element of Roy is that you can play he's a carpet salesman. So Arjun and I kept looking back and forth being like, is that an is that Easter a, egg is that a to this Easter movie? Egg? Is that a call? How so, many Roys are um, working at a carpet? Okay, anyways. I mean, Roy's the weird thing about Alison Lohman in general, though, is that she looks young. I mean, she that's looks the thing young. Is she, that's what's weird. Is like she does look young. But she just, it's, it's, and that's the weird thing about the Nicolas Cage part of this is that, is, is it part of his OCD and neurosis or, or whatever that he's unable to like see her age, like and and they know that's what that I'm wondering. Yes, that. like is it is he it too blinded? Obvious? Is it meant to not be a super? I mean, it is obviously the way they shoot the end where he comes out of the hospital and it's not you know really a hospital. It's yeah. meant to be a big reveal that everyone was screwing him over. Yeah, but yeah, like, but it's it's she is such a interesting. I mean, she obviously then, you know, ends up kind of retiring from acting at a very young age. But even in, because I really like her in Drag Me to Hell. It's one of my, you know, uh, favorite Sam Raimi movies. Oh, and wow. like, you wow. know, she's, she still looks so young in that movie. Like she, mm-hmm. and that's what's weird is then it's like, well, does she look young enough? And then you start feeling really bad and you're like, I'm going to cancel myself. No, no, no. You don't need to cancel. You don't need to cancel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I'm like, you don't get work anymore in this business because you don't look 14 years old. That's what I'm telling Allison Loman. Yeah, that is cancelable. Gotcha. Now that you've now that you've clarified what your position is, I do cancel <laughs> you for that. <laughs> my my thing is that like I don't I don't understand how like I don't know. I my my frustration with it is i'm like is it brilliant that she's not 14 and like everyone's probably thinking the entire time like oh this chick doesn't look 14 and the reveal is she's not 14 they were fooling nicholas cage and he was too blinded by his ocd or was it just like a bad casting decision to pick someone who's that much older i i'm happy to lean into that it's cool let's just lean into that it's cool because i think that there's also an element of it that's cool in terms of uh, Sam Rockwell's character, Frank, I want to say. Yeah, Frank. He And he is the main uh, orchestrator of the deceit, the Grand Con. Um, he, who has set up, who has set up this girl into the position to play the 14-year-old, he, throughout the con, keeps sort of hinting that this is some new sexual partner of Nicholas Cage. He keeps being like, do you have a girl here? Like, is there a woman here? Like, who's the woman in the car? Like, whatever. And that, I think, is really clever because it positions him as having no idea that Mm -hmm. either she's 14 or that she's not 14. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't know her identity. And, like, playing into... And then establishing... I think Nicholas Cage, I would say, does a good job of not like having any sexual tension no. with his daughter. I I felt like there was some vibes of Allison trying to shoot her shot with Nick Cage that came across like weirdly for the characters themselves, but uh, maybe that was just me. Um yeah, and I and I think that's but I mean right, it is weird, but it's also maybe the best part of this movie, which is that Nicolas Cage so desperately wants to have a family. 
Yes. And so, like, he's willing to believe this girl is a 14-year-old. Mm. Really, that's, it's like, it, I think that's anyway, what yes. that's sort of, yeah, as yeah, we're yeah. talking about it, it like, that's, that's like the sort of, uh, the kicker of the movie is. And so at the end, I mean, I remember watching, I was like, God, is it weird that, like, there's, like, a vague amount of sexual tension between these two, like, in this carpet store? But there's not. There's really not. There's I not. mean, I think that's unintended. I think that's unintended. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, and maybe that's a, a fault of the movie. But, like, it is sort of this, like, very... Because the movie's so light on its feet, it's not trying to be super, like, this is the cost of being a con man or this, is, you know? Yeah. So it is weird when the ending is that sort of, like, heady, which is, like, you've become my daughter in the process of this movie. You know? Like, I... that's... That's the sort of like mm-hmm. it's like I don't I don't know if the movie I think what if the movie fully earns that or whatever but it's an interesting I, yeah it's I an feel interesting like concept that that they're going for it's yeah. like okay oh, that's... I feel like you're going in a new direction I just want to real quick say in no, terms of the like the like them talking in the carpet store and the vague the vague sexual tension that you're describing or whatever I just want to say something a little spicy and identify that about. 20 years later from this movie, Nicolas Cage will marry a woman who is four years older than Allison in this movie. Like, yeah. right? Like, so it's just, it's just. What do you want? Hollywood. This is Hollywood. Hollywood has, <laughs> Hollywood has manufactured this discomfort, in my opinion. I like, see. Not not in terms of it's made up in my head, in terms of they have created a monster of their own making right. that we now have weird daddy-daughter sexual tension in movies. Right, especially because the emotion is centered around father-daughter here. Like if yeah. they are, it's just like, it is sort of this blending of, and again, the intentionality behind that is unclear, you know? Mm. I mean, Ridley Scott mm. is, a, well is a, you know, he's made a lot of good movies with a lot of, you know, like there's a lot of, big ideas in his movies mm-hmm. so I don't like but after watching some of the behind the scenes it doesn't seem like you know they were they were just trying to make a fun con man movie with mm. a little bit of a heartfelt ending yeah you know? but um, I think I think Nicolas Cage plays that like daughter relationship well like I think one of the, my favorite scenes was when sh- they were doing the she was out and when she was supposed to be in and like leaving through the side door she's just shaking her head but and he was like, I'm shaking my head because we always just end up on the exact opposites of like the scenes and the moments we like. Of, but keep, keep going. But he was, you know, he's like, where were you? You were supposed to be home. Like, and it's funny that like this is a daughter that he's known for all of like a week and a half. And he's doing something like he's almost enjoying playing the parent. Like he's like liking doing that. And it's bringing him comfort to have both the plus sides of it of like, you know, having pizza and ice cream with her but also doing the like stern talkings to that like fathers are supposed to do um but yeah and maybe that's what brought nick cage to the i mean look at massive talent i mean look at that movie yeah. that movie's like and and this is and and if if what you're christina I, I you know i i you know if he truly did marry a woman that young i mean like maybe he has well some exactly. sort now of she's just scratch. given him his first daughter his first baby daughter, right. uh, August Francesca, 
Sorry, I I knew it. I thought I knew it. I thought I knew it with more confidence than when I started delivering. But so it's just interesting. It's like he has a motif through his movies of girl dad and like what's going on there. And now he's got the first time in real life. I try not to bring this stuff too much in because it is kind of gross to be like TMZ. Like this is his private life. But I am like, he. This is well, the yeah, mythos of the legend. It's interesting to think about just in terms of like if it was like consciously or subconsciously informing his choices you know did he mm. like but i don't know i mean th this is obviously like you know i mean but this is also back when like scripts i mean this obviously is a movie that would probably be like on apple like there was actually another movie that kind of came out like this very recently a couple of weeks ago called sharper uh-huh and it's it's just like it's kind of like this where it's a little bit of a mess like there's just like so many different plot lines going on but it's like just fun twisty turny actors kind of doing their thing yeah um and like so it's it is fun to see like sam rockwell sort of in his like young prime and like nicholas cage sort of in his fading prime <gasps> like do this wow. i mean not fa i mean I would say from, from 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 yeah from no his... I think that's I think that's a very cool way to describe yes. this I would era. say yeah, yeah like I would yeah because I, mean... I still would call it prime I would still say he's delivering prime fading yes. mm -hmm. but the roles he's choosing are like a fading man yeah. yeah like I think that's cool yeah and I think too like but but just the fact that they were still able to get these two guys and Ridley Scott you know director of like Alien to like make this movie that they filmed in North Hollywood. Like there's some locations. Well, obviously, and Robert down the Zemeckis or... is an EP. Yeah. And Hans Zimmer does. Well, Spielberg was initially score. slated to direct it. This was initially going to be. And then he says no, and then he does Catch Me If You Can instead. He's like, I've got a better yeah. con man script to be Which honest. I know we're exactly, and I know we're all over the place a little bit right now, but like that's that, just the way like, it goes. And that's <laughs> no, I know. But like that's the fun thing too about. I think I'm glad you watched this movie because I think like and and Christina. Hello, uh, Christina. You said yeah. You thanks seen for the it. afterthought. Well, no, no, no. But had you said you hadn't seen it either? No, I hadn't seen it. Oh, okay, cool. So I'm glad you both watched it equally. I'm I'm equally glad. Um, <laughs> but like, like oceans, like this movie borrows so much from like, not borrows, but it's just like it is so of a time of like I feel yes. like in a in a in like a weird Target like three DVD set. You yeah. know when they mash yeah. movies yes, together, yes, yes, yes. they could put Ocean's Eleven, Catch yeah. Me If You Can, and Magic yeah. Men together. Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's weird because Mastic Man sort of has this weird facsimile of 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 both of those movies. Like the opening credits, sort of that jazzy opening credits. Yeah. So catch me if you can. Dude, the, the opening of it, Nicolas Cage voiceover going one, two, three. In his like I was thinking so much about his voice and how he like has sort of an Elvis cadence affect that he's mm -hmm. like added throughout the years. And how cool and cagey and that is. And then it ends up being his first lines in the movie are also like one, two, three, uno, uno dos, tres, ichini, san, he's saying one, two, three in all these languages. Um, and that's sort of like the character, but that ends up being like an inconsistent character thing throughout. Um, yeah. But anyway, you were trying to say that the credits were so cool. And I'm like, yes, I feel like we launch it with such a sexy little opening um yeah though no, i mean just in terms of like the, the the era that this movie comes from it is like it is very time stamped like yes. and it, it is, you so can tell like stamped. the way the transitions like the way the screen flips like oh that, like those is, are what is that pulled. cut called do you oh, know what that cut is? Minute, we're that calling it we're calling it a swivel With... cut where like yeah, there's a pull think... pull down the center of the middle of the screen that the entire screen flips around on it's a hard thing to it pull happens... off 
over three times. You think they pull it off? No, 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 no. I don't. Oh, I actually okay. don't. I think I think the reason they don't pull it off is like so. So basically, and Ocean's Eleven, a movie I I really like, and and like, and it, that's a different movie. That's a heist movie, which is different than a con man movie. If if and we can get into those differences later, but like we might I need think... to because Christina's not sure what a heist movie hey, is. Hey, hey, so... hey! Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Oh no, no that's it, okay. It. So it's that's okay. There's not much difference, but like the thing that's interesting. What's weird about, like, the, the way it's executed in Ocean's Eleven that's so good is, like, the the reason they do it is because it's like, okay, we're going to a completely different story, reset. Do the swivel like, cut? The, yeah, there's a, like, the swivel cut also changes, like, drastic locations. Like, we all of a sudden go from, like, Las Vegas to Chicago to, like, see what Matt Damon's doing. Like, in this movie, the cuts, like, the, the way it uses is, like, okay, this is just a natural cut to the next scene. I don't know why we're doing this swivel cut. Like, so that, yeah. that, that was, again, yeah. it, it, it's a little bit of, like, a, a stew here of, yeah. of, of yes, things that they're, that they're a con man stew that they're throwing in. Yeah. And luckily, it's closer though, to slop than chili. <laughs> luckily, though, they cast Nicolas Cage. And I yes. Think, uh-huh. Because he is able to use all of his Nicolas Cage affects, but it's like, it's it's written off because it's like, oh, he's got OCD. Like he's able to do everything that Nicolas Cage gets sort of maybe mocked for maybe mm-hmm. in the coming years after this. Yeah. But it's like, a, I mean, in retrospect, it's a genius casting because he's like the way when he screams in this movie just randomly a couple times, you yeah. know, yeah. And like, you know, pissed, blood. Yeah. It's like, it that, works. My, that might be a line he delivers in a movie in which his character has no mental illness. Yes. But in yeah. this movie, it works because he has that. Now, again, you're right. Like, Christina, whatever disease he has in this movie is, like, completely incomprehensible incom- incom- and, like, just non-congruous and, and is all over the place. It's just it's just a vehicle for plot, and I, I really don't like that i don't like mental illness as vehicles for plot and but, uh, right and, and this was also an era where we saw that like yes. we saw that with usual suspects again like this is this yes. era of like and that's what i'm wait so wait so you're seeing this in theaters and are you like nicholas cage is doing a very realistic portrayal is this feeling very no, it was funny like, i mean for me it was, it was like, fun at the time, it was over it was the comedy. top it was like yeah it was, it was like okay. it was like i mean at that time, I didn't, you know, I was like, if a character's playing someone with, you know, any sort of like that, you know, vibe, you know, Rain Man, all that stuff was like, yeah, this is incredible. This yeah. is this is what acting is. This is like, this is, you know, especially after, again, you know, it's it's so interesting, like how we used, I mean, Fight Club, it's bipolar, you yeah. know, in, um, in, oh my God. I forgot the name of the movie again. In um... wait, I'm sorry, I'm getting confused because I feel like you're mentioning really good films where those performances are like unbelievable and people love. The oh time yeah, no, like, no, no, no. Oh, I think there's really good reason. Thing. But there's are also there's saying, also the there's. Are you, Arjun, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm asking a question. Which oh my is, god. <laughs> which is that? Are you saying Nicolas Cage's performance in this is on those levels or is not on those levels? I don't think it's on that level. Again, I think okay. it's sort of this, as we were kind of been talking about, whether the visual style or, you know, the con man aspect or now sort of this, like, OCD thing. It's sort of like this residual effect of the previous, like, seven or eight years of filmmaking. And sort of this, like, trying to sort of uh, cash in on some of the, you know, the primal fear, the usual suspects, the fight clubs. Sort of this idea of, like, this weird mishmash of combining mental illness with crime mm-hmm 
with someone using it to their advantage. Um, it's a weird genre that definitely went away. Because one of my notes was like, what happened to OCD? Yeah. Because like I know Monk. Yeah. You know, Monk obviously probably premieres around this time. I was about like, to say, you, yeah. And it feels like, and like, uh, which one called the 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 Jack Nicholson movie, the uh, the one where with him and Helen Hunt, the as good as it gets. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like this was all over the place. Like, and now of course, if you did this, like you know, you'd you be canceled. raped over the coals. You'd be, yeah, you canceled. And, and, it's simple and you jacks might, these days. You're right, exactly. <laughs> but it was like so prevalent. I mean, this was like a ton of movies, and this might have been yeah. sort of the tail end of it. And I think the reason. Christina, to finally answer your question, and I'll shut up, is, is I think Nicolas Cage actually does get away with it in this movie, because I'm not saying it's a great performance. I think he just, I'll just say he gets away with it, because <clears throat> of, of what we know of Nicolas Cage, which is that, like, he's going to be acting like that anyway. So it, it's like, I think it's okay to give him, you know, it gives his character an excuse for why he's acting that way in some ways. I don't know. I hear you, but also, and it's time its time for someone who's drank the Kool-Aid a long time ago to start speaking. I think his performance is fantastic in this. I think it's, like, I think he he's able to do it. I wrote one of my first notes was, eye twitch seems natural for him. Like, it doesn't look like he's doing, it doesn't look like he's pushing it. It just looks like it's part of the character, if that makes, if that makes sense. Like, it's not like... Um, like, sometimes he'll put on an accent or a voice, and that feels like he's putting something on. Whereas this didn't feel like, oh, he's wearing a, a, the, the Twitch hat. It felt like he had the Twitch, if that makes sense. As to the... the I was thinking about the, the door opening three times, how he, like, has to do that every time, and how they kind of don't do it all the time. But I was also thinking that, like, not that some of his OCD was cured, but that like some of his symptoms were alleviated when the daughter came into the mix. And that was when I felt it start dropping more. But I also was like, that seems like one of the- which is Which is a weird kind of damaging trope of it makes it seem like mental illness is the kind of thing that can be cured by like having good relationships in your life. And like but, being a father, having a daughter, like, like but, if and you're- that's the, yeah distracted by doing the right things you'll be less mentally ill you don't even need medication because what they say is that he's been taking placebos well that i think is very weird no but it's, i don't Steve, Steve, i don't like that no shit, no no, no. steen 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 easy they're oh, not but sorry this is this is a pg movie this is right or no what no, is this right it's not it's pg-13 i think um okay. steen wait 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 they're not yes. they're not in this movie saying you don't need medicine because if you remember, the psychiatrist is part of the con. They can't give this guy actual medicine. They have to but give him But you just placebos. said that he started getting better when the daughter He's, came I around. said some of his so symptoms, point, I said some of his symptoms point, got alleviated. Medicated. I said some he's of his symptoms medicated. got alleviated. I didn't say he was completely cured. But he basically is. He's like, not, he's still, no, even with her, out. he's still twitching. He, and he was taking his placebos. Like, there is, there is, I know, I'm not, I'm, 100% for medicine. But I also think there is some component to mental illness that, like, um, there are, like, non-just medicinal things that will help you. You're trying to say there's benefits from placebos. Fine. That's fine. That can be true as well. But I'm also saying 
the depiction of mental illness in this movie is not good. And I don't know why you're getting so defensive about it. I'm you not going to be packed with Jerry Bruckheimer about no, it to be like, no, Jerry's not even on this one. Jerry's not even on this not one. On all right. No, all it's right, definitely right, not right. like the most razor sharp depiction of mental illness. I think the part that would help the performance is, is if they drew more, if they said, okay, the reason he's like this, the reason he has all these tics isn't because of something maybe he was like genetically, like it's maybe it's like if it's all put on the fact that he does cons and he hurts people and he's missing his daughter. Okay, that's just like the the, the bad mm. pitch way of saying it. Like if the reason he's acting, that the reason he has all these tics and, and sort of OCD, tin, you know, sort of-esque uh, behaviors is because, you know, he's missing this part in his life. Yeah. Like that, self-inflicted That's the part that's never fully articulated. That's the yeah. part that's mm. never fully articulated. That was a good buy-in, Zach. Like, and so Thank that's you. why I'm sort of between you and our, kind of between you guys, because I do no, agree that, that like, of course. We bring guests on to mediate between me and No, I, I, <laughs> I get both sides because I can, you know, I mean, I'm usually less sensitive about the way mental illness is depicted. And usually I am sometimes more sensitive about the way like therapy is depicted. But in this movie, of course, it's, you know, it's all a con. And like, it's all so a con. That's why I go back to it. It's all a con. It's, and that's why, and I, we could stay sort of in there. We can kind of move through it. I don't know how you guys do it in terms of moving through the movie. But like. All over the place. Yeah. Okay. We can be all over the place. But I was also but thinking like, we, could, we could also go, we could go grift by grift. We can use grifts as our. I hate when you try to do that. But yeah. We, we could, could use grifts as our, as, our, <laughs> as, our, as, our, as our anchor points. This is why we're all over the place, Zach, is because we disagree fundamentally on like the path that we should take. Like the, podcast, the the first set really of dumb. the first set of grifts is the water filtration Damn, grift, he's going in. where yes. basically they yes. call people up to sell them a water filtration system that they say they're getting for a steal because they like won something in like a tax rebate, um, and like normally it's seven hundred to eight hundred dollars. Or no, normally it's like thousands of dollars, but they can get it for a, an easy 700 and they can basically get it with their tax rebate. They just need to write some check. And then they go over as FBI agents and uh, pretend like, hey, you just got grifted. We're going to need an authorization form so that we can, fi- we can you know, find the check. And then they're able to cash it. Um, but I was thinking to myself uh, about thinking through the grifts again. And I was like, that first grift where they come back as the FBI agents and how Frank is like, I've learned everything from you. In his final, in the in the twist grift, who does he have come to Nicolas Cage's bedside when he's like concussed? But two FBI agents being like, hey, we need to talk and like get the proper authorization forms. Like it plays yeah. back into that. And I know this there's is good like, mirroring. Yeah. And I know that this there's like this how many twists would be enough but i will say for some reason <laughs> i had a false i had a false memory of this movie which sometimes happens which is that i thought nicholas cage's whole thing was also a grift oh. see i thought the whole idea was that he was going to take sam rockwell I and see. that he was sort of making himself a mark making himself a mark for sam rockwell to sort of bring him uh you know, rich people or whatever to think that, okay, he'll yep. think he can take advantage of me, but I'll actually take advantage of all of them. Gotcha. And because sort of like... You, you were thinking of Kaiser Soze situation. In yeah, this movie I literally well. thought that was the ending of this movie. Yeah. And I was kind of glad it wasn't because I do think the ending shot is sort of, you know, it's very like 
treacly sweet or whatever, <laughs> like putting his head next to like a pregnant belly or oh whatever. Oh my gosh. Okay. It was all okay. amazing. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So so I love this website, uh, tvtropes.org is so good for collecting um, little snippets of movies and, and synthesizing them. And you've triggered for me that ending, the final, sh- I really like, like the twist. I like that it's Frank. Yeah. I like the twist again at the carpet cleaner. I hate the trope of babies ever after of that being like don't worry it all works out for him because he's got a baby on the way because i was like one that's outrageous not like two this man just lost all of his money and he's gonna start raising a child with a grocery store clerk right after the early 2000s recession what are we talking about (laughs) he's He's a he's a con artist, Dean. He can make a couple thousand. Easy he take, peasy. He's taking big risks out here. I to me, the say. movie is heightened enough to exist outside of like the American economy at the time. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well but, said. Well but said. Well it said. doesn't exist outside of nine eleven. I'll say. But that it doesn't much, exist but. out of nine eleven um, because of because of the airport security line. Yeah. But yes, I think. Uh, yeah. No. It's 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 a little too. We didn't even necessarily need it. Like, I think he could just have his wife, too. I think it could just be enough to have that. Because it's interesting that, like, we have this sentiment that it's like, okay, this guy is capable of having, like, a pretty, you know, a a mentor, mentee, father, whatever, however we want to describe that relationship he has with Loman. Like, he's capable of that. Yeah. And now he's, you know, going to start a family. I don't know if we necessarily need the Prager belly. There it's because he end. had the daughter I mean, before and he was so happy. He was like, I'm all my dreams are coming true. He loved but having it's a little also daughter. the classic trope that we always get of like, of like men can live their seedy little lives, but don't worry at the end, there'll be a good <laughs> woman there to save you. Redemption is always an option for you. Is like, okay. That's all fair. It's weird. Is that bad? It's weird. I think we've presented a balance. It, it, it can be troubling. It can be. It's 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 not bad in a vacuum, but it's bad in context. Of I guess it's bad if like there's a thousand movies like it, you know, mm-hmm. and you get tired of watching it. You you're know? saying and, a woman and it reinforces reinforces patriarchy. You're saying a woman should come home at the end of a movie, and the man should be pregnant. <gasps> no, I don't like. I don't like. Mm, preg- I don't like male pregnancy stuff. I'm sorry. I, I'm not. I'm I not mean, Ridley Scott has a. You I, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey. He's scary. He's scary. He's got okay, a pass okay. with putting. Wait, I was gonna say another TV trope is um oh. ironic echo because I feel like you were mentioning this with the FBI agents. I think that's a great point. And it, there's a couple other ones. And one, one is like that. It opens up. Nick Cage Roy is saying, "I'm I'm not a criminal. I'm a con man. They give me their money." And yeah. later, the ending, he, he sort of explains the reason he's not mad at Angela for conning is that you didn't take it, my money. Like, yeah. I gave it to you. Right. That he right. was like, you yeah. fully conned me, and I respect that. Yeah, and con like, sees con. The, you did the con. Game yeah, sees yeah, game. Yeah. Right. And, and patriarchy yeah. aside, like, not- I, I think, like, and, and that, like, I think, like, he realizes that the the money he gave up was like his penalty like that was his penalty for his life like it may not be enough and it may not be like but he he got something out of it like it was sort yeah. of an exchange yeah. Yeah. Ooh, he got something out of it he yeah gave, he paid a heavy cost but it, he got that it was an exchange that, like, like he freedom. right he wasn't fully freedom. taken like if, if something they like you know again that's like the like 
you know, super sweet, trickly ending that I don't might make people who, because sometimes it's fun when con men movies end with a little bit of like, you know, what was this all for? Yeah. Like, I mean, we recently watched one in our LB film club, The Sting, which I really enjoyed. And that, you know, and, and to me, that's like a, a perfect example of a combat movie. Did you guys, you guys ended up watching that, right? Or were you guys not there that week or something? Don't, don't, please don't put don't us on blast us. on the public. If form. We've missed I'm, an I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying nothing on record. I'm saying nothing on record. Okay. So would I, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh my God. <laughs> I did not expect him to turn. I was literally like panicking. Okay. Let's. Have you ever conned anyone, Zach? Have I ever conned anyone? <laughs> God, no. I'd be. I mean, I. I mean, I feel like I've gaslit Leah. Probably. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You've conned your wife. <laughs> yeah, but I know she's done the same to me. So, like, I don't. You know, it's like maybe we oh. kind of have that relationship with each other where it's like we're constantly, you know, even though we're conning, we're actually giving each other what we need, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, wait, that's true. I, what I wanted to um, respond to you of your really nice button in terms of like he paid, he, he gives up like a million dollars, but he gets his freedom kind of from like he's, he's free from that lifestyle and right. and whatever. And I think like, what sort of like works or is poignant for me about the movie without having babies ever after is that he's kept all of this money tucked away. Like he's not living that she's like, why aren't you living in Hawaii? Why aren't you living a big why didn't you buy luxurious Hawaii? lifestyle? Why didn't you, which don't, don't, don't get me started on that. Artoon. Please don't trigger that trap card for me, please. I, and that his lifestyle doesn't even need to change that much mm-hmm. by losing that million dollars because it was tucked away. But he needs his mind to change. Yeah. For me, that's very powerful. Very. I also his house. Makes you think. I would I'd redecorate a little bit, but his house has such a nice like aesthetic to it, like the carpet, like those old kind of blinds that are like well, you know what what are those types of blinds called where it's like. Long, they're North long Hollywood pieces of plastic. North Hollywood. North he's Hollywood he's got a pool. He's got the exposed rock. I mean, that's a nice house. I, I no, this is a great there. valley movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. It mm-hmm. doesn't all take place in the valley. I mean, there's downtown shots. And, like, obviously, they go to Dodger Stadium for that cool part yeah. of that yeah. scene. Yeah. But, yeah. like, the, the, the way he lights. This is one of the notes I took. I was like, this movie is lit like the valley. Like, yeah. there's just a different yeah. lighting yeah. in the valley. Well, like, when you go into mm-hmm. Hollywood, things are a little bit more, like, primary colored, and there's just a little bit more saturation. Yeah. When you come into, like, the valley, it's desaturated. It's sort of that, like, yeah. tinted blue. It's that yes. tinted tan. Like, there's literally a scene. I hope people have watched the movie. There's a scene I was, <laughs> I was pointing out. I was doing, like, the DiCaprio point to the screen thing. And, like, there's a scene in the where they're doing the lottery ticket thing. Oh. And the way that scene is lit, if, if go back and rewatch the scene. It's insane. The way the 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 mark is lit. That lady, that actress, who's amazing. Mm-hmm. She's in a lot of things. She's like amazing. she's just. It's just totally sepia and brown and just depressing laundromat valley. Like I just oh. thought they nailed that. That just the look of mm-hmm. of afternoon, a little yeah. bit steamy in the valley. I don't that, know. That yeah. was that was I a agree. great. That was one of my favorite scenes. That whole like rift it was like such oh, a fun relationship so this is of course before we know the twist and like when he says you have to give the money back just the the whole way it was done it was patient but fun and exciting right and that's and that's the difference between to me a heist and a con man movie mm-hmm. is like 
a con movie, a good con movie, because you know you're going in, you have, it's like you know you're watching a con movie. You don't know what the con is for a long time. You're seeing all these maybe weird things happen. You know, he's got his tics. You know, there's these kind of weird people coming out of the weird woodwork. It's not until the end that things are sort of like come into focus. It's like all those things start to make sense. To where like Ocean's Eleven, the fun part of that movie as a heist movie is they explain it as they go. They're like, we're yeah. going to do this. This is how we're going to like weight the dice. This is how we're going to like... There's sort of this like more procedural element to it to where yeah. con men kind of... The con movie needs to con the audience a little bit along the way. Yeah. And that's why a scene like that is fun is because it's kind of unclear as to what they're doing to that woman. Because they're not even explaining it. They're just having banter just doing, yes. at the at the convenience stores. Oh. They're buying a lottery ticket. They're talking about something else. And you're kind of like, okay, they're doing this weird thing where they're scratching this number, but we don't know what it is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a small difference between heist and con. But that's sort of the key difference. And, and it's a huge well a, said. Really well that's said. amazing. And what's good is if you want to, if, listener, uh, if you tune in next week, the movie's National Treasure, and you best believe there's a heist in that one. Um, it's not the, it's, I wouldn't say it's a heist movie, but, but there's, there's a mini heist. A little mini chapter. Right. Mini heist chapter. This is, Zach, do you see why I end up having like a hard time understanding like what a heist or a heist movie is? It's because our tune throws these little tidbits at you, me. And then I'm what like, well, National Treasure is like an adventure the, movie, like, but yes. I mean, there, there's like but, a heist chapter. Yeah, I mean, but yes, I do Let's understand. Let's not get into it. Let's not get into it. Let's, Let's not get into it. That's oh, next week. It. Keep, it, keep, um, keep, keep, it, keep it to this week. Uh, here's what I wanted to say. Something I realized oh. um, as I was going back and looking through this movie. So there's, So we've already gone through the first two grifts that they kind of run. They finally get to the the big grift, the airport grift, and when they're in the airport, where they're basically doing, um, like they're exchanging foreign monies for uh, American dollars. I think it's like British pounds for American dollars. And the idea of the grift is that you exchange, you change the suitcase right before they get on a flight. You know what type of jacket? It's it's. it's oh. oh. What were you? Saying? I was just gonna say that that heist is called the pigeon drop. That's that's like. That's like the main old-fashioned pigeon drop, and it's you. You have the mark of the pigeon, persuaded to give up something valuable to secure a more valuable object. And part of it is that two con artists pose as strangers to each mm-hmm. other to convince, like the third. But when Zach was saying much earlier about that, he thought that Nick Cage was going to be the one to turn on Frank. I thought that that was very interesting because it, it it does end up being like. Is there a way to subvert the pigeon drop and have the con men turn on each other? Mm. Um, and then, like you said, like you described our tune, part of the pigeon drop is that you then switch out the valuable object yeah. right at the end. So and so, and thank you, Steve, for breaking down the pigeon drop. And two things mm-hmm. that happen in this pigeon drop. One, like these are signs that afterwards you realize you're like, oh, that's there's a reason this didn't work. He never gets on the plane, the mark. Um, and Sam Rockwell's character is supposed to walk him to the plane. And, you know, he does, he does this whole security line. But part of the reason he never gets on the plane is because that's the con, is the con is that he's yeah. supposed to try to catch him. But the, yeah. second, the second thing, do you know what type of jacket uh, Sam Rockwell's wearing in the airport scene? This is, this is, I feel like, a fun costume thing. What type of jacket? I mean, I, his costumes were dizzying the whole yes. movie. I mean, you're but just he, trying to keep up with them. He's wearing a snakeskin jacket. As like, oh, and my thought was like, I'm like, did, I'm, did, do you think personal freedom? That's right, Steve. But more so, I was thinking, is the customer doing a fun thing? Like, he's a snake. He's gonna turn uh, mm-hmm. on Nicolas Cage by wearing like snakeskin. Like, that's just something fun that I'm like, I bet you that conversation happened 
and nobody like catches it necessarily. Nobody but you are doing except for You're me. So I'm smart. I, I was thinking like he was dressed like if if Coyote Ugly had male bartenders. Like that's to me what Sam Rockwell is dressed, and I and there's a large portion of your audience who won't understand that reference, but like it's it's um, that's that's. Uh, it was wild to see some of the sort of just the, the, the flowy light linen, but the, the, the crumpled cowboy hats, which again, this movie has Crazy. so many trends that were sort of yeah. dying off. This movie is yeah. sort of a dinosaur, oh, it's like the last dinosaur of its time. And again, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's such a fun movie actually, yeah. but there are so many things like injected in it that feel like okay, we're about to, like, evolve away from all of these things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, feels very dated, so well but, like, in, a, in the, an exciting way. It's so nice dated, and then it's also got the timestamp of 9-11 all over this film of, like, now we are transitioning away from movies where Nick Cage was going, running right up to the gate and to giving these heartfelt monologues to post-9-11, now part of the pigeon drop doesn't work so successfully because he has trouble getting through airport security, and it's, like, and and that they had issues filming, like they couldn't film in airports anymore, and so they have to film somewhere else. Yeah. Isn't that fun behind the scenes? You guys don't look that jazzed about. No, they they did. I did yeah. look. I on the behind the scenes, like Ridley Scott was freaking out. Like he was like, I don't know how we're gonna make something look like an airport. You know, this is a guy that's used to making you know hundred million dollar movies. He's like mm-hmm. he gets whatever he wants, you know, and he. Like they they found the Anaheim Convention Center, which is where they shot this, where they shot yeah. the airport stuff, and like it's very convincing. It's a very good job production yeah. design and the way they yeah. shot it, and you know, so yeah, it looks it kind of looks like an international terminal, LAX sort of. Oh, uh, good shit. But it's weird. That's awesome. So here's another little tidbit, just yeah. a little side yeah, thing. His, his location, he was supposed to be sh- scouting. It fell through. Obviously, someone ends up else directing it, but he was scouting I Am Legend for LA he was going to have it take place in LA and really Scott no. was going to be directing I Am Legend and that's how like he had just been recently scouting Dodger Stadium for that and a lot of the downtown roof stuff that we end up shooting at and so he just once that fell through for him he was like well I'll just kind of use these locations for Matchstick Ben who are you Is talking that... about right now Ridley Scott, Scott the director oh 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 he, he was supposed to direct I Am Legend oh I am for this. of course he ends up not directing okay. at all but okay. that was sort of how wow he came about some of these locations um, in this LA because he doesn't. Yeah, a timely reference. Yeah, I am Legend with Will Smith. The Oscars are going to be would have been yesterday from when this podcast is released. So this is this is all tying together. This is all tying together. Yeah. Wow, we're <laughs> really connecting the dots there. Really connecting the dots for everyone. Um, I briefly want to talk about the pharmacy scene because. You brought it up earlier, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think... And tvtropes.org called oh the line that you're about to reference, large ham. Large ham? Yeah. Which I... yeah, yeah. He's definitely, he's definitely, definitely eating some ham. Yeah. But it's... Or serving ham? I don't know. He's both eating it and he's serving it. Um, mm. He's definitely... <laughs> he's, he's eating it and he's serving it to us. Um, nice. I, he's I, eating and serving. Is this something like... I know the and I think I know what Christina's answer is, but for me, like, I love this shit in movies. Like, I love like because I also, thought you were going to say the specific line before oh, he launches says, in, which is I have it. Wait, I have it here. I have it here. Let me. I'm going to do it. Don't even, if you don't, don't get it right, I'm going to freak out. Yes. Have you ever been dragged to a sidewalk and beaten till you 
piss blood. Is okay, I will say, Artoon, my one note is the pissed, like, it's not pissed blood, it's it's like there's like a weird yeah. cadence between the piss and the yeah, yeah, yeah. pissed blood. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It, yes. It, 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 like blood is two syllables. Yes, somehow. yes. Good. Like good I know good. I probably, my levels were Steve, bad. Steve, do you want right? to give it a go? Go ahead. No. Come on, come on. No, give no, us no. The line. You were about, was, to, but, give but, it, you were about to give it to us. No, no. I was just going to say the line. I was just, so, so. Okay, like, all right. All right. Fine, fine, fine. But my point was when it's, because also I'll say like, he has like, he has his ticks the whole movie and like, he definitely has his isms and he definitely has certain like smaller freakouts, like when Sam Rockwell's like stepping on his carpet with his shoes, which I also was thinking to myself, I'm like, doesn't he not know his friend? Does he not like, or not even his friend, but his partner, like he wouldn't do this. But then in the end, I was like, he would do this because he's trying to keep him riled up. Anyways. Yeah. Just That's where upon like rewatch this movie, I wonder what kind of effect this movie has on like, I mean, waiting as many years as I have, and I had seen it since theaters again, but it's probably been like 12, 13 years since I've seen this movie. Yeah. It used to be on TNT a lot. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but it's not anymore. But like, I, I wonder, it's weird because again, it's like it has you sort of looking for the cons, but there's enough distracting you there. I think yes. there's enough elements that it's not super predictable but yeah something like where he's like trudging around on the carpet it's like dude this is your partner you know yeah, he's you weird know he's there stuff. but it, that makes sense it makes sense but yeah. to say this like he has his freak outs then he has his freak outs but i'd say like the pharmacy one stands out he's not freaking out the entire movie and i mm-hmm. i love it i love when i love when he does it but i also love when like any actor just like goes for it or like has a real scene where they explode if it's well done and I wanted to turn that to you, Zach. Is that something that you enjoy watching in movies or not? Because I feel like, Christina, I know the answer. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm like a huge fan of Al Pacino. And especially like late era, like post-cocaine Pacino. So yeah, mm. like, I mean, I watch Heat once a year. And that movie is chock full of, and I know you, I don't think you guys have seen Heat. But like, like I love when actors get when they take a line and because you also don't know on the day it always makes me curious like did he do it like that every time mm-hmm. like and, mm-hmm. or did they, is it like did they say hey do a wild one i mean obviously like that's a common thing on set right like a director will be like okay this one's for you yeah and obviously if you give that sort of like uh, leverage or or whatever like if you give that sort of like ability to Nick cage he's going to take it there I, I, it was actually a pitch I was going to have you guys earlier. I've just never texted you, but I was like, in this podcast, I was like, there should be a segment where it's like the cage line of the movie. Because oh. I feel like like every movie has sort of this like like pulled four or five second, you know, like this is the one that... This like, is for the meme clip. This is the meme clip. And it I is. That like is the meme clip. The piss yeah. blood here. And that's what yeah. I like about it in this one. As long as it doesn't happen too much. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. just a fine line, right? Yeah. It's like... When he pulls it out of nowhere here, I had to pause the movie last night because I was like, that is like, I had to, like, I mean, I had to just like think about it for a minute. Like what that would have been like on a quiet set. It's probably like the 10th take and he just rips that off. Like, it's also exciting. That's exciting. It's, it's to me, it's, it's better than like maybe some of the stuff in the coming years from Nick Cage where he's, he's pulling from that bag every five or 10 minutes in a movie. Yeah. Do, could you imagine being that like uh, like one line co-star for the day, like your day player, like you come in for the pharmacy, you're like, hey, just so you know, like you know, the AD's like Nicholas Cage can come, he's gonna yell, like you just gotta like, <laughs> you just gotta take it, you know, you just gotta you just gotta stand there, 
uh, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. I promise. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be a lot of fun. I it's, mean, so much, it's so much. So much I mean, fun. to me, it's like it's like that's like. I mean, if you're gonna be that, and this kind of is a small segue into another pitch I have for like a segment you guys should have in every episode, which you may have, which is who would have Artoon played in this movie? <gasps> Whoa. And so I have two pitches. Okay. And by the way, these aren't like Artoon, like if once you're a big movie star, like obviously you could be one of the leads or whatever. This oh, is course, this is more this is more like a question of like like right now. Right now, like this tomorrow. Moment. Yes. Someone's yes. like they they need someone on the day and like wow. you fill the spot. Zach's looking my out two for me. pitches my two pitches are you're the pizza guy who who doesn't get Nicolas Cage's name right and he delivers the pizzas. Remember? Yeah, the, the yeah, guys? he is he is he's a recurring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they probably shot him out all in one night, you yeah. know? But, like, he's there. Yeah. He gets those fun interactions. He's, like, not even paying attention as yeah. he's delivering the pizza. Always gets the like, keep the tip. Just, <laughs> I could see you just, like, turning around with some goofy face. Nice. Uh, and then, also, this is actually the role you'd probably want, but Allison Lohman's boyfriend at the end, like, just that high guy oh. walking in, looking Dude. to buy carpet. It's you could true. be that guy. I... Wait a second. Wait. He is somebody who was like in... that. He is somebody that I was like, wait, I need to find out who that is. So sorry, he's... I'll do that anyway, those are my two pitches for our two role. I appreciate it because I even wrote down he's so funny when he goes, "Is there like a special carpet that dogs like?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, it's so it's so funny. Um, I thought it was. I thought he had he had a couple of lines. He did a good job. That guy, he's nice. Yeah. He went to the car to get the wallet. I mean, look, I was like. I mean, this was like, I was like, I was like, do I even bring this up? But like, Alison Lohman, have you guys covered a Nicolas Cage movie yet where there's someone that, to me, looks and more like Christina too? I feel like, I feel like I was getting Christina vibes from wow. Alison Lohman in this movie a little bit, no? Like the dark oh, eyebrows, the blonde hair. Like, I mean, I know you don't have like, I mean, your eyebrows are maybe also light, but I don't know. I feel like there was a very similar vibe. Nice. That is so nice. That That is so nice. I've gotten feedback from before that I can play really young and younger than my age. And I've I always had a baby face for a while. I'm getting older now and I love it. Aging is a blessing. I was going to say, <laughs> the guy that we were talking about, the slacker boyfriend, is Fran Krantz. And he's in Cabin in the Woods. Yes. <gasps> yes. He's, he's like friends so with those good. guys. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's like, amazing. I think he's like friends with, uh, who's that director? It's not Ty West, but it's oh. someone else. But yeah. Because he's in some of those horror movies. Like he's, yeah. No, you're mm-hmm. right. And he has that hair. He has a hair that looks like oh, it's a wig, it but it's not. So yeah. good. That like fluffy, wow. It, was, it is so trendy. Like the trends in this movie are on. Her outfit, her whole outfit. In oh, that and that final outfit. Story. Oh you could God. argue so. she looks younger in that outfit than she does like when she's like at the park skateboarding like yeah. I don't yeah. know oh Allison Lohman oh I said Allison Williams sorry Leah heard me from the other room oh, nice. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> the wife is always right I said Lohman earlier I probably you said, said Lohman okay. no we know we, we know it's Lohman we know it's, we know who you're okay. talking about we've but. we've messed up we've for a full podcast said like the wrong person without ever once correcting it and what? later someone, someone's like you're That's talking good. about the wrong person I, i'm excited to listen right outside the door when leah does one it's and then... who did we, we 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 like we dunked on um god who was it uh kevin klein we dunked on kevin klein thinking it was kevin costner and i and i i will never forgive myself because kevin klein's fantastic and not that costner is bad uh but it's just that he's more boring than klein i was going that costner's a more of a boring actor and that Klein, Klein's really fun. Sure. I would never attribute boring to Klein, regardless of, of good. Um, okay. What kind of, 
what kind? Yeah. What kind of segue is that? We're just we're chatting. We're chatting. There's well, no. Here's a question oh. I want to ask you guys. Oh. Speaking no, of no, like speaking of hair, because yeah. we're speaking about yeah, his okay. hair. Yeah. Was Nicolas Cage's hair in this movie? Now, as you guys move along, mm. I do also want mm. you guys to chronologize this. I'm just giving you a bunch of homework for future episodes. Mm. Um, <laughs> Book of Secrets, mm-hmm. uh, for or or just the National Treasure movies. Keep an eye because the, his hair in this movie and adaptation we just did is fading. Now, Nicholas mm-hmm. Cage is still, you know, he's a handsome guy. He's he's got just a different look. He's just very like whatever. Like I'm I'm not saying he's conventionally hot, but like I do understand why people think he's attractive. But his I don't think there's been a man with this kind of hair on screen that has been called like he's called handsome in this movie. Sam Rockwell says you're a handsome guy, yeah. And his hair it's like, which is great. I'm glad. Like that's representation. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Zach. Like, yes. But like. But it, he, just keep track of it because it yes. starts to come. I mean, I, you, you're touching all my usual. I constantly talk about this man's hairline. I am obsessed. I keep a very close eye on it. You are hitting some of my major I, headlines here. I, I, I am yeah, I mean, because I, I feel like it's purposely, I mean, obviously an adaptation, like it's purposely kind of messed with. Like they make him like, they give him even more balding. But like in this one, I feel like this is his hair. Mm-hmm. And they're just not, they're not filling it out. They're not giving it a wig. But come National Treasure, they dunk it. they're, they're they, filling it out. They're filling like, it aren't out they getting its more. volume? Are they, they get, like, he the looks, technology's not there yet. It's not there yet. He looks hot. He looks hotter in National Treasure than he does here. But he looks more natural here. Yes. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Yes. So I just, and that's, that's the interesting part is that he's still sort of like, there is no wink or anything. It's like, you're a handsome dude, even though your hair is like so wispy. It's, it's just going in every which direction. Because he's big, I, they, you can't be small and have wispy hair in Hollywood. But he he's hulking. He's a hulking man, and I that's think true. he gets he's away tall. with it. He's tall. He's got long he's, legs. He's got that long legs. He's got a huge head. He's, his head is must no. Be he's a grasshopper. He's yeah, shaped like a grasshopper. <laughs> I've, always, I've always thought that. I've always, <laughs> I've always thought I know it's like Ted Danson or something, or no, it's Kevin Spacey that actually like voices yeah, the yes. big grasshopper. But it could have been it could have been Bugs him. Life. But I'm like, man, recasting. Like, can we get in the cage in the booth and just redo the oh, audio? Well, dude, if they when they, I'm sure, I'm sure they eventually record. they'll do the live action um, Bugs Life, and when they do, no, I'm sure he can play no. the grasshopper. Oh, actually, that would be haunting. <laughs> if you imagine if they do the Bugs Life with like, the cat's technology. Oh my, oh my god. god. I'm frightened. That would I'm be horrible. Frightened. That would be like our tune zombie face. <laughs> like in, from my makeup. That would just be for everyone. Oh man. Um, I was gonna ask you for a time check of where Yes, we I was are. about to if, say we can we can start moving into our final thoughts here. Final thoughts? Because I have yeah. a lot of them. Like I don't want to scare you, but All right. I this is Alright, then then let's move into our final thoughts. We'll start with Christina, go with Zach, and end up with me. I've got all kinds of final thoughts. My final thoughts, uh, just wrap it up this movie. For me, there is an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia that does the daddy-daughter con just so much better and in 30 minutes. Um, so I would say... That's cool. That's What's it better. called? It's the... I don't remember the episode title, but it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is the TV show and one of the episodes... I think it's like the gang goes to a water park or something like that. Okay. Um, and... Uh, there is a moment in this movie where there is a strip club and we identified another motif throughout Nicolas Cage's films is like strip club and that they are just sets 
They are just, I always get mad because I'm always like, it's just using women's bodies to create a set piece. And it always makes me mad. Um, I personally love jump scaring my father. So I related to that moment really, (laughs) really a lot in this movie. There's nothing like hiding behind a door and you just squeak and your dad is like, oh! (laughs) Um, (laughs) I like the line between the two of them where Allison says, you don't seem like a bad guy. And Nick responds, that's what makes me good at it. Um, the TV tropes calls it a failed spot check when right up at the top, Nicholas Cage just never even calls his ex to find out like, is our daughter named Angela and alive and coming to see me? Or is this um, a con? Like, yeah, but he, he, you saw how debilitated he was trying to even make a phone call. When you know was that? I mean? He's on in the, the bed. Beginning when he's like on the bed. Yeah, they they do. But he was like talking to like the rudest guy in the world. He was yeah. talking to like the worst yeah. customer service. Like that would drive anyone crazy. And he was trying to get medicine. That didn't. To me, that didn't give me no, a no, no. clue. He was, in he was like, trying to call. He can't make phone calls. He was trying to get a refill of his meds. That was when he had spilled. Yes, it and he was no, but to he does a different. That guy was a, like, he's moved. I no, don't no, know. he has a different phone call on the bed, right? Am I might. Yeah, when he calls like no. the operator and asks for like the address. And yeah, 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 like yeah. He's trying to get her number. He could like, barely, that's, he that's could barely that do is. that. Yeah. You, okay. Yeah. So he has Arjun. All right. Take it easy, Arjun. <laughs> I'll get you. I'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, this movie made me want a cigarette, and I was really astonished by. Dude. Yeah, and that uh, the ashtray that she gives him is like a puppy angel in an ashtray that I was like, that's the craziest thing in the world. And apparently, according to like director's commentary on the DVD, they have every character that is a con person, a con artist, smokes a cigarette at some point during the movie. And so like at some point, Allison tries it, like bloody blah. One um, small, before you get to the next one, just a small add-on to that when I was watching the behind the scenes. Every time they cut to Ridley Scott directing and like looking, and I, this might just be something I didn't know about him. He's smoking a huge cigar, like oh all the time God. on set. So this set must have just been Smoke. just a cloud. So that's how they got that like grainy that's how yeah. they did. valley yeah. light. He was smoking was the cigar the for for haste for, for smoke <laughs> around. Um, also, I want to on the match thing. Um, I think there's nothing cooler in the world than striking a match off like. A rock, a wall, a wall yeah, a boot. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, and it's something that I'm like, I think I should just like get like start working ton, on it. Truly, truly, like get like something like sixty matches and just start like practicing. Like, like you do. It just it, means you don't care. You're like, it I means don't you don't. Care you about just yeah. Where I am. Can, I but the thing is, I care anywhere. so much. Is like I care so much about being able <laughs> being able to just go. Yeah. It's so cool. All right, Christina, what's your okay? My my last. This is a rant. I'm about to start ranting and raving. The movie opens up and our title card is AOL Time Warner film. <laughs> and I was I was taken aback because I was like, what are we talking about AOL Time Warners? Because I I was a child. I'm like, I'm like in the two thousands, I'm I'm barely entering double digits yet. You know what I mean? Not even. The point is January tenth, two thousand. I'm about seven years old, and American Online announces its plans to acquire Time Warner for $182 billion in stock and debt. This kicks off 
what is known as like 17 years of the most disastrous merger of all time. Um, and you have an unbelievable history that, that tracks um, all of these corporate media conglomerations like merging and coming apart through this time where you have AOL and Time Warner trying to match up being like, let's do content and internet together. But part of what happened is that their internal company cultures were so different that they couldn't get along, couldn't strategize and couldn't foresee the market. So they end up pulling apart. AOL dies because now it doesn't have like the content it was trying to offer to its subscribers to keep them going through this like chat service area. Time Warner like cuts it off. There's so many more details I would love to get into, but for the sake of that, I value your guys' opinions and want to hear your thoughts on other matters. I will get to where we are in the late 2000s teens is that 2015 Verizon announces a 4.4 billion deal for AOL. 2016 AT&T agrees to buy Time Warner for about $85 billion. So we've come like full circle and Verizon is a branch off of AT&T. Like they started under the same uh uh like family right. and had to divide up and like so like all of these breakages just stay in this crazy interconnected system of like Hollywood and I just I was blown away and I um found that really exciting and was a lot for me to think about and probably spent 40 minutes at least reading about it and is this i'm showing a lot of restraint i'm showing a lot of restraint right is this now, when you texted me steen saying i have a crazy trap card for matchstick men was this it yeah <laughs> i think if like, anyone wants to talk about this with me anytime i would love to <laughs> i'm not smart it. enough but i do know that like i i'm also very interested in it. like the idea of like like communications companies getting involved yeah. in Hollywood like post yes. 2000 is like exactly. sort because of an part of it, well of information like it's like, because part of it is in the dot-com era is that they were like let's link up can we link up with you guys because you have the cable wires you no, have yeah, the infrastructure it. for like, us to get faster internet yeah. and right. now and now they're like wait a minute you internet people have the way for us to stream our content to you guys like content and streaming well, cables but, cables and content but then you had like a third major circuit come in or whatever sector, um, which is Silicon Valley then, which was like, yeah. like obviously in the last like 10 years. And yeah. so it's like, you have like, you have Hollywood, you have these huge communications companies and you have Silicon Valley and like none of them have even a similar corporate culture yeah. at all. And like, it's all, that's, it's part of the reason we're sort of like always, it's Hollywood's always been a tough town, but it's why it's even more tough to navigate now because yeah. it's like, we're navigating these forces that are like like Apple's making you know. Apple's making movies. Apple, the computer company, sure, is making movies. right, right, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's you, that could be your next that podcast. We're navigating these forces that are that are doing what? Well, that are sort of like I mean, that are like prehistoric. Even I mean, I don't know. There's something yes. about like yes. it's like it's Dude. like these, these companies were you know it's like this, some started as Telegram. I don't know. It's yes, weird. no. That when when I start getting worked up about like how did this movie get made like who's doing this why are they doing this or like what's happening behind the scenes and then all of a sudden it's like there's so much behind the scenes and everything's connected and the more you learn the more like 
context and blah. Maybe that's not quite what you're saying, but that's no, what... it is. It is. Okay. It is. And then like you start to feel that you're like small little part in it, and and you, yes. and you start to wonder why you feel so like like depressed and like anxiety crushed <laughs> yes. all the time. And it's because like yes. it's because there's not a machine only, grinding out everything. Like not only do you live in a town in which people are saying twenty two year olds look too old, like like people like me, but like then you also have like you know, like Silicon Valley people trying to like cut corners on unions and then you have like calm yes. companies that are like trying to like make stockholders in New York happy with like IP. It's like yeah, it's mm. a constant yeah. It's 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 only getting worse. But that should, yeah, that could be a whole podcast series, like basically like mergers since 2000. Well, I love it. Um, and, and I can move away. I, I feel like I had one, one last, oh, did you guys have the budget against box office? Oh, yeah. Wasn't great. I feel like I just looked at, oh, it was, it was a 62 million budget, but that's unclear to me if that's production budget or also include Marketing. advertising probably doesn't because it was because if that's production budget it's gross was 65 million box office which you split that between distributor and exhibitor so like i would say for the studios that this came out to be a loss it was which a loss. I'm like, i to think me, i think there's some the funny land. math going on here i think oh, yeah. i think you know the more and not that i've worked that much but the the the, the more i work the more i realize studios lie so much yeah. about budgets and stuff like Watching this movie, my take was like, God, I bet Ridley Scott could shoot this in like four days. Like, there's no way this movie actually costs. I mean, the actors probably cost a lot of money. You know, Ridley and Nicholas probably cost a lot of money. But for this movie to cost $62 million would be like a completely irresponsible use of money. So that's got to be a funny, that's that's got to be funny accounting to make it seem like the studio lost money. But and, and Well, this, or maybe we count that, maybe advertising does go into that number. Maybe potentially, but this movie came out in like February or something. If I'm or, or if yeah, I'm the February right. dump. Like I don't think it was probably advertised that much. Like I don't remember it being like. I don't but, remember it being like some big release, you know. Not, so I it, it would surprise me. That just feels like, I don't know. That feels like funny accounting to me when I looked at it. What's up. crazy is like, despite like despite it being released in February and kind of seeming like this, like it didn't make that much money. It's not like. And we'll get into this as we move into the ratings. Um, it's not like a bad movie. Like some no. February movies are fucking awful, like garbage. <gasps> Our tune, swearing. They are. I, I mean, I just I feel like I've seen so many of them now that I'm just like, why don't why do I keep going to see these? I mean, there's. But this is not yeah. bad. This is a good February movie. This is a great February movie. Again, it would be a good November. movie. I'm sorry. I'm so, gonna die if I don't share this one last tidbit that I forgot because it, it's also it's also factoring into this. Like, so we're so we're in February. What we're February 2003 yeah. or something. So so like this is this is when they are starting to sense like that things are not going well with this AOL merger and smelling smelling a rat. And um, and I just want to tell you that AOL Time Warner's largest shareholder, Ted Turner told the New York Times the Time Warner AOL merger should pass into history like the Vietnam War and the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. It's one of the biggest disasters that have occurred to our country. Whoa. Damn. He might be right. You don't know. I bet you I'm is, like, there, is there like no, a docu series like, about this team? Crazy. That's a shareholder that is a shareholder 
her being like, you would not believe the amount of money I lost on these guys messing <laughs> around. People don't even know it's like the, the Vietnam War level of bad for me and my <laughs> friends. Like that's, a, that's, that's my takeaway. I'm sorry if that wasn't clear. Well, now I'm regretting bringing it up. Let's 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 move to your guys' final. Well, by the way, this movie was released in September, which is kind of the February of the fall. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, perfect. Yes, before any. Because it's back to school. Like it's like your summer releases are done, but your Oscar releases aren't coming out yet. So I I feel slightly stupid, but also a little bit vindicated that September is September. September is the February of the fall. Yeah. (laughs) Um. I I'll 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 finish with some closing thoughts. I'll be quick with the first two. My, my first one is I did this. I was like, should we let... My question as I watched this movie, because I was having fun watching it, I was having fun watching their little cons. Should we let... If you're stealing less than a thousand people... Or a thousand people, a thousand dollars, should we let con people just exist? Like, should this be a job? And the part of the reason I say that is because it's kind of fun. We all love like games <laughs> like Secret of Hitler, <laughs> werewolves. Like, it would be just kind of fun... If, if you just had these people out there, and it's kind of a little bit, you know, I was watching with my mother-in-law, Trish, and, like, I think it would just kind of be fun. You know, she disagreed. But, like... Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. But, like, I'm, like, sometimes I'm, like, these people, you know, the Bruce McGill strip, strip club guy, he kind of deserves to have his money taken from him. Now, they were obviously mm-hmm. taking more money than 1000 from him. But like, and obviously the like the lady at the laundromat doesn't deserve to have money taken. No, that was bad. You you need to have a moral code about it. You need to have artistry about it. That's where the tough is. Con artist could be a profession that. Yeah, like con artist is like. I feel like we should sort of allow this. I don't know. Yeah. Like when you, when you, I'm and, with you. Because it's just kind of have, it's fun <laughs> it's to have crazy. these people around. It's crazy. I'm with you. I like, um, I think part of the risk is, is getting caught. I think that's like. Yeah, you get con- or, or you get conned yourself. Like that's, that's what I'm like. Eventually, but you could get caught by the, the person ro- you're Rooster conning. comes home to roost yeah. or whatever. Like. I, you, so you're, Arturn, you're saying the, the idea of the con, if, if we legalized it, like under a certain dollar limit that that it would oh, lose its so luster you because just triggered it was legal. We, we wouldn't legalize it. You would decriminalize it. I would think legalizing it would be the wrong thing mm-hmm. to do. Okay, decriminalize it. then you regulate it and right. stuff. I and then that takes this. all the joy out of it. I could it. be into this. We could be, we could be three con artists together. I, I think we'd be that. Good, I think we'd be I don't think group. so. I think that part's the false part. I also yeah. think... <laughs> So you used to have, I don't know if you still ask this question at the beginning of your podcast, but it's like, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor of all time? Well, we, um, we haven't really been asking it, but we can ask it towards, we can ask it at the end. I feel like, I feel like this is another like segment I'm pitching. Again, like you're like three fourths through this series or whatever. Yeah, but like, I think every guest. We're not even halfway to, through if, the series. Oh yeah, I forget. He like really starts to put it on here. Um, like... Every guest should have to pick who they, if not Nicholas, pick, pick their challenger. Oh, Basically, I like no, that. Just pick, just pick. That's like, awesome. Who they think is the best actor? Oh, since, I like that. I like that. since since Nicholas Cage's like start, which we'll say 1980. Like so, for the last, we'll say you know since 1980, who is the best yes. actor who started no. their career? So like yes. not like not Pacino or De Niro. They kind of started beforehand, and Even not someone Streep. and not someone younger. Yeah. Well, you could. I, I guess mean, you could pick someone. You feel younger. like if you feel like Blanchett has you know done enough the last twenty five years sure. to say she's the greatest actor 
of the last 45 years, then sure. I, I mean, I would I would say sure. All right. Um, I mean, my pick is basically, yes, follows the same timeline. And I think it's kind of undisputable. It's kind of a boring pick. I mean, I think it's I think it's Denzel. I mean, I, I don't and wow. I don't even think it's quite close. Wow. Um, just because he's able to he's just played so many different roles. And yeah, you could say like someone like Daniel Day-Lewis, but Daniel Day-Lewis doesn't no, have like no, Man on Fire or The no. Equalizer. I was about to say he does like... no Equalizer. Also, look, Day-Lewis does what did, I mean, I, I don't know, he's probably Denzel not Denzel has much ado about nothing. He, yeah. But yeah, and he has that speed. You he know, and the, similar to he Cage. He has the zaddy and then he has training day. That's what like, I was going to say. Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks spent 20 years Boo. trying to figure out a way to be like a bad guy. He did Road to Perdition. It's a fine movie, but it was like so clear he was trying to be a bad guy. Like, Denzel did that flawlessly. Like yeah. when he went to Training Day, he won the Oscar for it. Yeah, I mean, it was just like he he and then but like in, you know, but he was also like the preacher's husband or whatever that was, like the preacher's what you know, like yeah, it was like or the the Philadelphia movie. It's like what taking a Pelham, taking a Pelham one two three the remake. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just like such a good career, you, such a good Hollywood career. You, I think you brought he's someone up who's who's similar to Cage in that he's a bit of a chameleon, in that like he he's able to to go through many different genres and still bring that Denzel quality that you're like hoping to see and expect. All right, right. I don't know. Are, do, do you have final thoughts on on this movie? No, unless we can get into you can, don't. Well, I just no, have, we've said I just want to because. Because that or transitioned maybe, maybe me into that. my into my Hollywood rival conversation. Which well, because I'm feeling I'm like I feel like we're moving into the rating segment, which I'm like this is a good time. I feel like Zach, you're bringing amazing segments to the show. So the segments so far, it seems like we have <laughs> our uh, pick our tune roll, which we established. Pick best line in the movie, which we established. Very good. Um, Zach has picked his challenger, Denzel Washington. Um, I believe you had another segment you were gonna pitch, Zach. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's not necessarily a segment. It's more of a. It's more of a like thought experiment when it comes to Nicolas Cage and sort of. I mean, it's obviously part of the reason why you're doing this podcast is because he, he doesn't necessarily have like a true foil or a true comparison or or in this case a true rival. So I was in like we were talking a little bit before we recorded. Like I was in this writers' room years ago, and when we were bored it was kind of a small room and we just sort of like to have these like hypothetical conversations. It was like, you know, a lot of like Chuck Klosterman fans in the room. And so like, we would just basically talk and there was also like a lot of sports fans. So we would talk about like how in sports there's rivalries, you know, Red mm -hmm. Sox, Yankees, USC, UCLA, like these places that the reason they hate each other, they think they're so different, but they're actually the same. Like they have mm -hmm. all these differences, but actually all these similarities. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's just a fun experiment. We would, like, name an actor, and then everyone would say who their rival was. And inevitably, we would have to consensus agree, and some people would come up with names, and it was just terrible. And sometimes it was obvious, you know, it's like Sandra Bullock, Julia Roberts. You know, that's, oh, yeah, they're forever rivals. And Julia Roberts started that rivalry off, obviously, in first place. Now, over the course of 30 years, I think Bullock probably is leading that rivalry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Brad Pitt is someone who's had some different rivals over the course of, of his career because he is sort of, you know, early on, my argument was that his, his rival was Edward Norton. I mean, they shared the screen, mm -hmm. like, sort of these, like, Edward Norton was going to be sort of the Marlon Brando good, you know, classic actor. Brad Pitt was also a great actor but kind of had, like, the attractiveness. But then maybe later in life, his rival became DiCaprio. 
obviously Affleck, Damon. I mean, yeah. yes, they're best of friends, but they would never be cast in like necessarily the same role. They have so many similarities. You get so many differences. De Niro, Pacino, Stallone, Schwarzenegger. Well, are you are you coming to the what? thought that I'm coming to the point? I'm coming to the. I'm definitely coming to the point. I just want to. I just want to give people some context. Of course, no, no, we appreciate it. Because someone Thank like, because someone like Jake Gyllenhaal came along, uh-huh. and it's like, okay, who is his rival? Well, Heath Ledger. But Heath Ledger died, yeah. and then you don't have a rival anymore, and so it's sort of interesting. And so, Sad. anyway, Nicolas Cage came up, and this was always like there was two names that always came up, and we could can never I, come to a consensus. Can I guess? And you can, and that's what I was thinking. That's what I was saying. Try to guess the two names that people more most often pick. The first one, Nicholas Cage's rival. First one's easy, John Travolta. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The second, and I will give you the argument why people hated that pick. Some people said yes to that. Some people said no. I'll give you the reason later. Go ahead. What's your second pick? My second of who would be Nicolas Cage's rival from that era. Just, yeah, of a contemporary. Contemporary. Yeah. Sean Penn, maybe. <sighs> See, Sean Penn's a really good answer. And that's not the, that's not the other name. Christina, oh, wow. do you have any guesses? Well, so... Um... I was thinking it more in terms of Artoon always says his rival is Timothy Chalamet. Yes. And to me, Artoon is to Timothy Chalamet as Nick Cage is to Leonardo DiCaprio. What? <laughs> That's bullshit. I mean, I think DiCaprio... That's literally not bullshit. And I honestly feel really good about this comparison because I'm also like, we have, like, Catch Me If You Can, and we have What's Eating Gilbert Grape as sort of, like, comparisons to what Leo does with these stories. Yeah, I don't, I, I think the only reason, my only argument against it would just be their age difference. They, they just feel of a different generation. I do think you're. I think you're right in the corollary of our tune is it's like a Nicolas Cage to, more like, and I know he's gonna like not be happy with that. I do wow. think you nailed that. But in terms of rival, yeah. <clears> in terms of what I, I was my, really impressed by what you were describing, and I'm. I can't wait to hear yeah. what the consensus and what your thing is. But yeah, and again, there was no consensus. I mean, Sean Penn. <laughs> God damn, I don't know why his name never came up. Maybe it did. And I'm just forgetting. This is a long time ago. This is like 12 years ago. But like, you know. My pick was always Tom Cruise because Whoa. I feel as if they both kind of, you know, early 80s, they started. Nicolas Cage could have been in The Outsiders, maybe should have been in The Outsiders. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was in The Outsiders. He did. No, no, he did. He did. He, he did Rumblefish. Yeah, he did Rumblefish, Rumble which Fish. is the same author of Outsiders, S.E. Hinton. And it's like right. the same idea. Outsiders was Coppola movie. He's, and, not, and, he's and, not good. I'll tell and you. Rumblefish is also Coppola, Coppola movie. He's not bad. Yeah. He's, he's you can tell young. why Coppola was like, no, you got to stay out of my, my drama. You're not bringing the right energy. But like. I think Cruz is sort of in all of these rivalries. They're sort of the like, there's they're both mainstream, right? Like both these people are making big studio movies and yeah. all the ones mm-hmm. I described. But there's the one that has like a little bit more like edge. Like Affleck's the one that's just a little weirder than Damon. Like Damon yeah. would play Superman, and of course, like 
Affleck plays Batman. Yeah. You know, Damon never played Superman. But, like, like it's almost like a Superman-Batman corollary. You know, yeah. for Bullock was, a, like, the one with a little bit more edge. She was a little bit more, the, hey, I'm just one of the guys. You know, where Roberts was, like, this just stunning beauty. Like, I think Cage is, like, the sort of alternative version. The, the sort of, like, an interesting world pitch. version of Tom Cruise. It's crazy. I would have never really, thought of that. I, I'm not think... on board with it. I want to be honest with you. I, 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 I love that you brought it. I love it. And I'm like, no. Um, and, and I think they're that both the crazy in their own way. John Travolta and Tom Cruise are the ones that would come up. That would boil down. No, to yeah. Those were, and I always thought he was, and I kind of disagree. I mean, I didn't actually agree with either. And that's why like, I brought it up to you guys. And I think Sean Penn might actually just be the right question. answer. Because I think he's more, I think he's like not more famous than Travolta, but he's just, he was better at handling his mm-hmm. his sort of stardom than yeah. Travolta uh, Cage was. And Cruz was sort of just so much more American Pie, just like Apple apple Pie, not American yeah. Pie, you know, Apple Pie, you know, just like down the middle, just like going to give you exactly what you expect. Yeah. And, and, and so it's like, and just was probably just even more way. I mean, I don't know. I think also Cruz shied away from going down some of the Nicolas Cage route, like him and Tropic Thunder. Right. Like that's why I see it though. But I think that's Cruz is not allowed to play crazy because I think he cannot have like the jumping on the couch for Nick, Nicole Kidman like was such a monumental moment that like threatened his mythos. Yeah. Right. I think. And so he's too too guarded to be able to do these like goofy, derpy, putting everything out on the line. Yeah. Roles like Nicolas Cage can mm. do. But I also don't know that Cage carries the same just like steady magnetism that Cruz brings in level performances. Right. Like I think Cage could have been in Top Gun. I do. Like that not maybe the new one. But like because obviously he hasn't like stayed the same shape. But I'm talking about the original one in the eighties. Like I think like I think that was always always my touchstone. I was like, I wonder if Cage gets Top Gun or something. He's in it he's in the top he's in helicopter for Top Guns, which is uh Firebird. Horrible Firebird. He's really well, I mean, right. it's tough because the movie's but terrible. Kind of my point. But he could Not be good. in yeah, it. Yeah, he yeah, is yeah, able to play movie. that character. But it wasn't good. But that's the movie wasn't good. We don't know how much that like falls on him. I mean, he's got Wind Talkers and like, yeah. and and then and then Cruz has Born on the Fourth of July. Like, yeah. there's these weird things where like, it's a good I, point. I, feel, I, I like for it. whatever yeah. reason. Their two names never get brought up together, but it seems yeah. like they're kind of weird shadows of each other. There's like a yeah. weird part of it's almost as if Cruz kind of maybe in the back of his mind wishes he could do some of the stuff yes yeah that, yeah yes yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, cage yeah. has been doing for the last 20 years yeah yeah um so so Zach as you may or may not know we do the ratings on this show as yeah. uh five stars out of the movie letterbox style you're our king of LB so you know how that goes and then Nicholas is out of 10 cages with five points for the creative what he brought to the role and five points for the technical, what he delivered and what we ended up seeing. Um, do you want to start us off or do you want to round us out? I'll start us off. I'll give you guys the, the closing. Yeah, I think, I mean, my LB rating for this going into this last night was a two and a half. And then I rewatched it and I bumped it to a three and a half last night. 
Um, just because I think like with a little bit of distance, I think at the, I think when I was initially rating it on LBA, I was like, oh, this is sort of just like a middling sort of photocopy of what this movie was in, in, in and I think it is sort of that, but I think it's better. It's also a little bit more, it's, the ending is actually very interesting, even if it doesn't totally work. The, the, the scene between him and Alison Lohman at the end of this movie, where like, it's like, maybe you were my daughter all along. Like, that's, that's a choice you would not see made in a lot of movies. So I, I bumped it up to a 3.5. I think in terms of Cage, you know, I'm trying to like, I think with those two, do you want me to give the individual numbers? And I like to hear them. Yeah, that's how I like the art, but you I would say in terms of like, so what was the first one again? Sorry, technical no. versus oh. technical and creative. So okay. it's like what so, he brings versus what he delivers. Okay, okay. So technical, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to give him a four out of five because I think he he sort of, you know, he he he's the reason this movie is made. I mean, he's the sort of the reason this movie is now, you know, like, I don't know. He's he's like the only guy who could sort of play this mm-hmm. in my mind at this time, other than maybe Sean Penn. Getting back to our previous point. Okay, <laughs> and then um, I think in terms of the creative, I'm gonna go because he's got so he's got other performances that are so much better. So I don't want to I don't want to sort of like overrate it. I'm gonna give it a three. So I'm gonna give it a total of a seven. Um, I think this is sort of like in maybe like. Not in the top quarter of his performances, but I think it's somewhere in that second second quarter. I feel like that's spot on. I'm just going to ditto Zach because he said exactly exactly right. I I'm going to go a little higher here as I want to do. Um, I think this was a four star movie. I really I really liked it, and I, I like I didn't think I don't think he went full simple Jack. I think he he threaded the needle um, in an appropriate place. And I think, I mean, it's tough. Last week's movie was Adaptation. And that's the easy, like an easy 10 of 10 cage performance. And in that vein, I'm like, well, was this performance on that level? And I go, I don't know. But also, I don't want to knock it for like not being adaptation level performance. But I think in terms of technical, what I'm going to give him is five. Because I thought, I really just thought his... Five? Yeah, five. Five for technical. Five technical. Because I thought he did a really good job managing all the ticks and like all the like whatever without seeming too put on seemed natural to me and seemed like he like really worked on it. And I know he works on things to like get it to a place where he's comfortable with it. And then for creative, I'll give it a four um, in terms of how the delivery of it all for a nine, nine performance. I thought it was a great performance. Okay, great. Well, uh, now you know how we feel about the movie listener, and we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at CageOldQuestion, and send any emails to CageOldQuestionPod at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and send a five-star review our way. Look, people have been um, sending we, it in. Thank you. We've gotten, we're at, we're at 19. You. We're at 19 reviews, <gasps> and remember, we're trying to get to 23 by the end of 2023. So go ahead and drop huge. that review. Thank you to everyone who's been doing it these past few weeks. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. And you can always, I I have two notes on it, which no one was expecting of like, one was, you can always double check, was recently with my dad and we, he was convinced he had rated and we took a little double check and we're able to add that rating in. So um, (laughs) that's really fun. And thank you to my dad for the five star review. Uh, And 
I was also going to say, listener, look out, because it also turns out that you can leave reviews on like Spotify or something, and then that doesn't count when our tune starts yelling at everyone right. and berating us without our I'm talking 23 Apple so, podcast reviews. So look out, there. look out. Um, we're going to do our little plugs, Zach, so think about if you have anything to plug, but I want to plug... Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I had my plug ready. <laughs> I, I was going to give you time to stall, took up the time to stall for my own plug, which is Evie Meg on uh, TikTok at this trippy hippie, um, spelled as it sounds. And she is someone who lives with Tourette's uh, and she has 15 million followers. So you'll be among the company of the greats. And she is someone who has really taught me and exposed me to like what Tourette's actually looks like in real life rather than um, sometimes how silly silly media puts it out there or pretends it can be uh zach do you have anything you want to plug i do not i do not you don't anything. you don't want to plug your like watch the dropout instagram or, 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 or watch my you know what watch now. my uh oh yes my vimeo countdown my film montage yes countdown. maybe we'll, you can link to i'll it link to it in the show notes i'll link to it in the show yeah notes. my best yeah. films of 2022 they, it's gonna be the night after the oscars and oh so you can it'll be a, it'll be perfect timing Zach, yeah. listener, Zach makes unbelievably beautiful montages of movies. They will move you to tears. Artuna and I have both cried over them. They're they're so, so good. good. So you get you're in for a real treat. Artun, do you want to plug anything? Yes. Um, this upcoming Friday night is my sketch team Honey's best of show. Come check it out at the UCB Theater. Um, tickets are twenty dollars. I know it's a little steep, but hey, uh, for a night of it's comedy, best of. it's a best of. Um, and then. Uh, improv on Mondays with and Ghost. And I'm sorry, I was oh. just going to say I'll be there. I'll be there at that best of show unless I get sick. So oh, that's great. For if yeah, you, you can, if you want to see, you, if it wasn't enough to see our tune and you sketch, see Christina in the you audience, sit with me in the audience. Excellent. Um, and you were saying, and then you were also plugging Ghost. Uh, Ghost on Herald Nights Mondays. Uh, check it out. Check out the calendar. Make sure we're up. It's great. Great improv. Check, and that's exciting. Our team just got renewed for another year. Got renewed for another year. Sure. We thought we thought maybe his neck was going to be on the chopping block, but instead, Mr. King stays king. Hey. And uh, you can still check him out. Um, so has no for, rival. <laughs> he has no rival. He is unrivaled. Um, for our next episode, we are watching the 2004 film National Treasure, available now on Disney Plus. We hope you'll watch with us and listen in. Signing off, this is Christina. And our two Nazareth with special guest, Zach Panazzo. And we're asking you the cage old question. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beat! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus I was horny.